my feeling is, because of everything we just said here, Phoenix, greater Phoenix, is going to explode in a great way. Over the next decade, we are going to see tremendous growth. I think we are going to be leading the country within the top five places to live. Um, and we are going to see house prices go up tremendously. Matt's Market Mindset. What's up, Arizona? Hope everyone's doing just marvelous. Hard to believe, but here we are, cruising into those final weeks of 2022. Wow. Where does time go? It's unbelievable. And it just seems like it even goes faster as we uh, get closer to the end. A lot's happened since we've talked last. You know, we've had uh, some good news, some great news, and all types of news coming through um, as far as Arizona goes. And, uh, and it, 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 it made me happy. But as you know, I'm naturally optimistic. And I usually serve as a pretty good filter when it comes for... Uh, negative news and bullshit. I filter that right out and kind of pick the good stuff and and uh, and look at it a little bit differently. It's it's I think uh, it's it's what we have to do nowadays because we're just fed so much bullshit that uh, um, we have to do our own uh, due diligence on the news that we read and kind of uh, dissect it and figure out what makes sense, what doesn't, what's real, what's clickbait, all that good stuff. It's the world we live in. Well, there's definitely been a wild, wild ride here in Arizona and across the country and the world here in 2022, um, especially when it comes to a real estate. Wow. It's kind of a trip looking back at the last year and just seeing everything that we've, uh, we've been through as far as how inventory was low and it's high and rates were low and then they're high and just all this, uh, the pandemic is now leaving the building, we believe, and the flu is back. Yes, um, I think everyone I know right now has some sort of cold. Um, very interesting. Um, but just one more reason to stay healthy, everyone. I can't preach that enough. As far as Arizona goes and in, in, in news that, that, that I thought was really exciting was uh, last week we had um, President Joe Biden come in and uh, to Arizona and he actually went to uh, TSMC, uh, that's the Taiwan, Taiwanese Semiconductor uh, Manufacturing Facility that has already broken ground and uh, they dropped some pretty big news. They came out to tour, take a look at the, the original facility uh, that was supposed to be uh, producing by 2024 uh, with an investment of $12 billion. Well, Joe came out and alongside uh, uh, TSMC's management, they, uh, they dropped some really good news that they are going to quite significantly up their investment in Arizona which is pretty badass. They're going to up their investment from $12 billion to $40 billion. They're going to be building a second plant. This second plant will, um, will break ground, I believe, somewhere in the next uh, year. Um, this one will not be completed until 2026. Now, they've also signaled that they're gonna be producing way higher um, 
we'll say technologically wise chips, chips that are going to be a, a much more technical, uh, much more um, specialized, which just really adds, I think, just a, a lot more <laughs> amazingness to this whole deal, this whole, we'll say, stimulant to this to this already existing industry in Arizona um, of semiconductors. The big thing is, is this word, you know, I've, I've lived here for over 20 years, always knew that semiconductors were, were made here. You know, Motorola had giant plants, Intel has huge plants, kind of the, the beginning, the middle, and now here we are just taking off onto a whole new level, um, especially in the USA when it comes to production of these trip chips, and it's happening right here. It's it's pretty wild. Uh, this is huge for a number of reasons. First off, it's already gotten national attention. We know that the word semiconductor and chip shortages is almost like a, just a normal normal conversation across, I think, every table in America and the world right now because we're seeing it. It's affecting all of our everyday lives when it comes to supplies, uh, when it comes to cars, when it comes to pretty much anything that's going to have um, a chip inside of it. Uh, and we are seeing shortages of those. And, and it also really brought up some, some kind of gaping holes, we'll say, in national security when it comes to this type of technology and in our needs for it. Uh, and I think, you know, it was amplified by uh, China and, and, and their movement over this last few years during all of these supply chain shortages and COVID and such. And their natural, well, we'll not say natural, but they're very much um, present, we'll say, relationship with Taiwan. And, you know, it's definitely been tumultuous and volatile and very questionable. And you have people screaming, oh, it's war, it's happening, it's inevitable. Then you have other people saying, oh, it's not going to be that type of war. Um, and then some that say that it's just, it's all, it's not, nothing's going to happen. Now, I think there's, there's enough to lean on on all of those to say that, you know, any of that could happen. It's, it's really hard to tell. Um, but nevertheless, it, it, it really shines some light on semiconductors and the fact that Taiwan does produce most of the semiconductors um, in the world and these chips and especially these highly specialized chips and the fact that we've seen how this affects us here in the United States and our economy and our national security and in and, and our growth and they decided that hey we're going to team up with them and bring their knowledge and their expertise and we're going to start making some of these chips here in in America and Lo and behold, Arizona, we got it, and it's huge. Now, the cool thing about this, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, is just this is one more industry that's, that's uh, we'll say technological industry, that's, that's really blooming here in Arizona. I was reading some pretty interesting news about um, just the, the um, we'll say, high-tech industry here in Arizona, and we've got a pretty diverse group of, of we'll say, leaders. Uh, as far as, you know, high-tech industry, we've got many industries within this. And, you know, we've got the semiconductor, which we were talking about, manufacturing, the components. We have aerospace, which is huge, parts of manufacturing. Now, you know, we have the automotive industry that's moving into the new times with all of their, um, you know, electric-based automobiles and autonomous vehicles. That's 
really breaking ground here. And there's a lot of you know innovators that have called this home and put down the flag, and they're they're building great things. Uh, we've got um, growing film and digital media landscape, um, a bioscience sector, world class healthcare facilities. And then we have manufacturing operations for you know technical instruments, lenses, analytical laboratories, guided missiles, space vehicles, satellites, you name it. We've, we've got a lot of stuff cooking here. Now, what's really interesting about this giant $40 billion investment is uh, the, the, the labor expertise and the quality of labor that's going to be following this. It's going to be big. Um, it, it's, it's also been kind of created along the side of a lot of our universities and, and, and community colleges where they're going to really be kind of doubling down on this for future generations as far as getting degrees in these industries and knowing that, hey, you can come here, you can attend college, and then you can most likely intern at one of these places and move on to your future career, which I think is a great package deal, especially nowadays where we've seen so much happen over you know the last three to four years if you're you know a freshman in high school now or you you know and you're just graduating you've seen a lot happen and there's a lot of i think uh, people are questioning hey how am i going to get a job um, if i go into one of these these industries how difficult is it going to be um, it's there there seems to be a lot of job openings not a lot of people wanting to jump on these jobs but then they also the big question is is how much am i, am I going to get paid and what's the ceiling of this of this career and you know am i going to really be able to blossom and is this something that i'm going to like well all those great ingredients i think fall right here in arizona and that right there is the foundation of our economy i think this is the foundation of you know Ultimately, everything that I'm looking at as far as the con contributions of where our economy is going to be at in five years. It, it was really easy to get complacent here, especially at the beginning of this year in 2022 when everything was booming. We were kind of climbing out of COVID. People were feeling alive, attending concerts, returning to that normal life. There was no words of layoffs. Everyone's houses were still appreciating. Interest rates were low. Things were good. And I think everyone's kind of questioned that now. The brakes were slammed on. We're hearing these words layoffs. We're hearing these words recessions. We're seeing high rates. There's just all of this fear that's now been pushed on us from, from an economic stance. And, and we're seeing that. You know, people are definitely pausing before making purchases. They're becoming more conservative on, on the front of spending. And I think that's, that's kind of fogging their view of what's to come tomorrow. Now, in light of this news here in Arizona, this is huge. Um, and I keep saying huge like I'm Donald Trump and it's one of my favorite words, but it's just, I guess, the adjective of the day. It, the ancillary industries that are going to come along with this especially in the semiconductor sector, is going to be industrial, many of the other things that I said. Uh, and these are all going to be kind of bolstered by that. The other side of this is when you have all of this, these, you know, these, we'll say, diverse industries that, that are now grabbing the attention of the most skilled laborers, workers, and engineers, they're all coming here to work. This is just such a great place for startups. And we've already been 
listed as you know one of the up and coming cities of startups. We've seen this really climb climb up the ranks here in the last four years, especially after COVID, where a lot of people were exiting California and and saying, hey, this is where we want to go. It, it's it's been a gift, and with the fact that they're dumping this type of money, and we've got you know the feds now involved in in our success, and it's it's. It's really, really, I'd say, amplifying my, um, I'm going to say my, my, my excitement and, and how sure that I feel um, about the future here. Now, that kind of brings us on to 2023 next year, which is just a couple weeks away. Now, as far as real estate goes, everyone's kind of been really not too sure what's going on. They've been kind of grasping for, you know, similarities that they've seen in their life, which is from 2008. And this is what we're repeating. You know, what's really to come. If you start read, reading national type news, it's, it, I think it might be more in line to. It's going to be tough. But I don't think that applies to Arizona specifically because of the stuff that we're doing here locally and, and, and how strong our local economy is and what we have coming down the pipe. So I, th I think it's real easy for people to get negative. And, and nowadays, I think we've been conditioned to do so. Um, you know, our mindset has been changed to almost become negative. It's almost easier to, to, to become negative now. You're almost rewarded for it. You know, there's just giant bubbles where if you're feeling negative today, you can go hang out with a bunch of negative people and just be negative. Ugh, drives me crazy. Don't be negative, I'm telling you. There's no place for it. Doesn't do anything. Doesn't help anyone. Going into 2023, as far as real estate goes, we've had some pretty interesting stuff happen. Today, we just had news that our inflation data nationally has come back favorable. Uh, I believe they we were coming off 7.7, and now we are at a 7.1. Uh, and it was l even lower than what um, economists were forecasting. That was real good news. The stock market instantly popped on that. We saw that settle by the end of the day. Uh, we also saw interest rates, as far as mortgage rates go, um, drop. They dropped around, I'd say, 0.125%, right around there. That's what we're looking at right now in the industry of real estate, is what's going to go on with these interest rates, mortgage in interest rates. Now, with, with, with that little drop, that's great. Tomorrow, I'm recording this, um, you know, on Tuesday, but tomorrow there's going to be, there, we're going to have news of the Fed coming out, kind of visiting all this inflationary data and, and deciding what they're going to do. Now, you might be listening to this and the news might have already popped, but, you know, I think that they're, you know, I mean, they're, we're going to see rates still um, be raised probably by a half a point. But what we're really hoping is that they have favorable language, favorable words that are going to paint the narrative for what they're expecting in 2023. And these words are going to bring confidence. And these words are going to be, you know, less rate hikes, not as aggressive. And I think that's going to really stimulate mortgage rates. And fingers crossed, that's what we're hoping for. And, and that would be really, really good here for Arizona. Uh, the reason I say that is, is, we have now been watching our inventory drop for over a month. Um, I've always tracked just um, what's happening 
as far as real estate sales go as what the active homes and everything that's active in Maricopa County and Pinal County, the two counties that make up Greater Metro Phoenix. And at a high, I saw just under 20,000. It was like 19,600 and something. That was about a month ago. Since then, it has now dropped to 16,818 when I pulled it before this podcast. That's a big drop, and it's been consistently dropping. Now, it's the season. We've talked about this in the past. Everything kind of has its waves, and it's seasonal. So there's not as many people that are, are looking to sell at this point, and not as many people looking to buy. Uh, but this was also very much, you know, the catalyst of this was high interest rates and, and people really not being too confident on what was going to be happening from an economic stance. Are they going to have a job? Are we going to, you know, what should we be doing? I think a lot of people have now kind of digested all this, digested all the fear, all the, the, the pinnacle of what we saw, and they're now you know, really being able to approach this, um, I think a little less emotionally and definitely a lot more logically. And as they're digesting this, I think they're starting to also realize, hey, if you know, living in Arizona is a long-term thing longer than five years, I definitely don't want to, you know, trip over dollars chasing dimes with my mindset of where's the bottom and, you know, how can I play this right? Because, you know, what's really going to play a role in this is obviously finding the house that you want. That's an inventory thing. And then the rate that you're going to get. So right now we've got really, really, it's, we're, we're low. We're, we're trending downwards. Now the interesting thing that we're seeing from, you know, from being a realtor is, is looking at all of our listings and, 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 and then also monitoring, you know, what our buyers are feeling and their sentiments. How aggressive are they feeling? Are they, you know, feeling like, oh, we, we got to move quicker or um, are we kind of pumping the brakes and waiting to get through the holidays? Well, we have seen a, a pretty big spike here in the last week. It was actually pretty amazing. This past weekend, um, our listings went up, I would say, around 300% in showing requests from the weeks prior. It's really interesting considering here we are two weeks out from Christmas. I think this also says a lot about consumers really thinking about where we're heading and their confidence on where we're heading. Now, you know, we could come up with unfavorable news. We could find out that, you know, you know, inflation isn't just the one thing that, you know, everyone's leaning on where there's going to be some other economic data points that are going to be fear driven. Um, layoffs, such and all this, and we might see something happen nationally that maybe we don't charge soup, you know, very hard into 2023. And it could be the case, but I think here in Arizona, the fact is, I think a lot of people have really pumped the brakes a lot to the point where now they are saying, okay, we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to purchase, or we're going to have to sell. It's you know, it's time. And I think you're thinking correctly. A lot of economists, even when you look at the ones that are deeming that this, you know, the sky is falling, chicken littles of the world, even those guys are saying, even in a worst case scenario, we're covering in this thing by 2025 and six. You know, that's, you know, even, that's the worst case. And then you have, you know, the fruitful ones that are, you know, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to charge right in and things are going to be great. And then you look somewhere in the middle and say, yeah, 2023 might be a little bit more difficult nationally. Got to remember, Arizona's not nationally. We've got a lot more cooking here 
than most states. Uh, we have a we are now trending negative backwards in inventory where a lot of states aren't doing that. Um, we've had a lot of very interesting things happen in our real estate arena um, that most states didn't have. They didn't have eye buyers. The the, the large presence of iBuyers. And these are these large institutional buyers that are buying over the internet, the open doors, the offer pads, and you know all of these, these, these companies that you can literally just jump online and get an offer on your home and they'll buy it. They don't need to look at it. You don't need to do all that stuff. Well, they were playing in our arena and in our market and not a lot of other people had them happening. Well, they've just all exited. They're out. They know that they can't really play too hard in, in this type of market, which has really put us in an interesting position because they've kind of cleaned up all the inventory that they've had there. A lot of the other investors that, you know, that were purchasing homes through them kind of put the brakes on. But now it's, it's, it's really opened it back up to all of the smaller investors, all of the wholesalers that were before buying properties, going and, and, and knocking on doors and sending out mailers. I'm, certain, I'm sure you've seen them when they're like, hey, we'll pay cash for your house now. We'll give you X. Do you want to buy? These are wholesalers. Ultimately, what they're looking to do is just buy your home and then quickly sell it to a, an investor that they have in as, as a, a pool of their investors that they've worked in the past and they make the margin in between. Well, we've always had a really big wholesale um, market here in Arizona, you know, especially post the crash. That's is where they really all came to be. And, you know, they really stretched their legs. They built a really effective models. They had, a, you know, they were really doing well. And then all of a sudden these big eye buyers came in and what these eye buyers did is they've ultimately were like, Hey guys, listen, you don't need to worry about holding your breath, selling to these other investors that need to do their due diligence and saying, how much would they pay for this and all this. You just know that we're there and willing to buy. You get a property, boom, we'll buy it. Well, they got used to that, a lot of these wholesalers, like 90% of them. And that was their business model for the last year. Well, now that these big guys, these iBuyers have pulled out and they've stopped buying from them, a lot of these wholesalers have, have closed up shop. A lot of these wholesalers are like, oh, we don't have a model that works anymore. A lot of our old investors that we were working with are no longer there because we stopped sending them deals because we were sending them straight to the big boys. And that's put them in a unique situation. So there's a few that have remained and they knew that this was happening and they built their business model to tolerate this. And they're getting ready, I'm sure, to kind of re-engage and really get aggressive, which um, I've heard and I've seen. It's still not gonna be, I think, enough. And so you have these guys that are excited and then you have a lot of these, these investors, like even myself before when I was doing a lot of flipping and stuff and that was what I did from 2010 to 2017. And it got to the point where there, it was too risky. You know, you could find good deals that had meat on the bone and you're only spending about you know, 20% of your time finding these deals. And then it shifted. And by 2017, a lot of the, uh, the short sales and bank owns, the byproduct of the 2008 collapse kind of dried up and it came down to getting these deals directly from the consumer, which then required investors like myself to kind of switch things where now 80% of your time is trying to find the deal and 20% of the time is, is 
doing the magic, doing the remodeling, picking the, you know, picking the designs and getting creative. And that's what I really loved. I did not like the acquisition part of it. And I really didn't like it when I knew that I was dealing with actual consumers, actual homeowners. Um, it, it, it really bothered me. I, I felt like being a licensed realtor, I could deliver them a service as a realtor and sell it on the open market and give them a lot more money in their pocket as if I was just to buy it as an investor. There's still people out there that don't matter. They don't care. They'll just get a good deal and they'll hose you. And that's why I always say be very careful of those that encounter you that want to buy your home. Um, but nevertheless, there's a lot of these guys that are now jumping back on. And they're, they're on the same fence a lot of these buyers are and they're kicking their heels and they're ready to jump off. And, and my gut tells me that we are going to have more favorable news from the Fed. I think we're going to see a rate drop. And I think a lot of these buyers that have been waiting to buy are going to jump off the fence. I think a lot of these, um, we'll say investors that are looking to take a little bit more risk are going to jump off the fence. And when these guys jump off the fence with only 16,000 homes on the market, we're going to see this dip. We're going to see it dip so noticeably that anyone that was considering you know, buying is going to hear this. They're going to see, see this, and it is going to kind of be that lemming effect where other people are going to say, hey, we're going to have to jump in. We're going to do this. We don't want to miss out, and rightfully so. We could end up getting into a unique market where we do have a really big inventory issue because at the end of the day, buyers can move a lot quicker than sellers can. Okay. Buyer could be an investor. Buyer could just be someone that's saying, hey, I'm buying a second home or I'm looking to buy, I'm renting, or I can buy without selling the home that I'm in. They can make that decision and, and start looking tomorrow. Most people that are looking to sell, they can't operate that quickly. They got families, they got jobs, they got schedules. They, they, they've got to do a lot of things to kind of prep their mindset to put their home on the market. So even if all of a sudden favorable news came out that, hey, we're spiking and and these sellers that have been waiting for this news, it's going to take them 30 days probably to get prepared and get it on the market um, after they hear this. So that's where I feel like there could be a delay of about 60, 30 to 60 days before we start to see the sellers step up and say, okay, yeah, we're going to sell now. Which in that 60 days, we could see a lot of our inventory dry up and kind of see us go back to where we were, which is very unique. Now, because that's happening, and if all of a sudden we kind of have this little bit of a cloud, we'll say that gloomy cloud of recession and what's happening nationally, uh, that might just keep you know, supply and demand like almost balanced, where it is like, hey, we don't, have a, we, we don't have enough buyers that are willing to start doing what they were doing earlier this year in end of 2000 and you know, in the end of 2021, where they were paying absorbent amounts over list price with cash. If, if we don't see that type of activity, it's not going to really be that big of an incentive for people to sell. And that's what I'm a, I'm a little worried about, um, because it, it could give us this kind of stagnant type of market. And it's not to say that you can't get deals done. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult. And it's going to be a whole different mindset for buyers and sellers to deal with. Um, just because the time that it's going to take, the negotiation tactics it's going to take, um, the creativity it's, it's going to take to make a deal happen um, is going to be different. 
So all that said, I think that that's, that's why it's really, really important if you are a buyer and you don't need to sell a home to buy a home. Um, if you're younger, if you're older, whoever it is, I really think now is a, t now is a good time to really be looking and, and at least have everything chambered and ready to go as we enter into the new year because it, things could move real quickly. And you could find yourself now really competing and ultimately settling. And that's really the last thing you want to do. If you're buying a home to call home and it's not, you know, it's not primary purpose or even over 50% of its purpose is to be an investment and you have these, you know, these boxes that are going to fill what you need emotionally in a home, whether it's space, features, whatnot, location, you know, you're really going to want to look now and, 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 and pay attention to this because if all of a sudden it does dry up, you could find yourself in a position that you're now going to be settling. And, and that's, that sucks, especially if it's a long-term purchase. Now, if you're an investor or it's a short-term purchase, it's a whole different situation. You have the luxury to play that game because it's really not that important to you, um, these, these certain little features that might be you know, needed, um, school districts and such, um, things that you're like, I don't want to upset the world of my children or whatnot. Um, you, you just might have a lot less to choose from um, and or be put in a position to compete against those that do and, and have to come up with cash. Now, to kind of end this, this is, this is my thoughts as far as if you are thinking of, of you know, hey, I got to buy or I'm, I'm really kind of going into the new year thinking about how I want to structure some investments. Everyone has their, you know, their New Year's goals. You know, what are you going to do for New Year's? Um, and I think if, if you're at that point of your life where you are saying, hey, I need to get some real estate in the portfolio or I really need to start thinking about how I can create some extra income from rentals or I just need to get a home, this is, this is a really good year to do it, a really good year because everything that we just mentioned before as far as where we're going with our economy, we are only going to be going. Once home builders catch up and they start adding more inventory, uh, and, and then once the buzz starts happening of what we have happening here in our economy versus others, we could all of a sudden see that, that drive of, of, of what we saw in 2020 um, during the pandemic, which really drove our market. And that's, that's people moving from outside of state to Arizona. And, and we could see that amplified quite quickly. Now, I'm going to break it down between age groups and I, I just to make it kind of simple. I think if you're younger right now and you're like, hey, um, you know, I'm let's say between 18 and, and 25 or 18 and even yeah, 18 and 30 between there and I'm, uh, uh, I don't really want to rent. I'm thinking that I do want to buy. Um, I think you should. I think you should. I think if you're on the younger side of that, I think the best thing you can do is get creative. Figure out how you can buy a single family home, especially right now where they're where they are cheap. You can get really good deals on homes that need a little bit of work. Um, in great locations all over Phoenix, Scotts, you name it. There's some really good deals out there right now. You pick that up, you rent out a room, you rent out a couple rooms to roommates. Um, there's so much to be learned in that. Not to mention that you have now picked up an asset that's yours that could be turned into an investment as a, as a rental at some point because you're so young. Um, when you're 20 years old and you're saying, oh, I have a 30-year mortgage on this, it's really cool when you start doing the math on that when this thing's going to be paid off. Um, it will only become cooler as you get older and you turn 30 and you're like, oh my God, that, that, that day is coming a lot quicker than I thought. Um, 
And, and, and the second side of that is you get to really work on the side of business friendship. When you start getting to deal with roommates and you're qualifying roommates, you're dealing with personalities, you're drawing boundaries as far as where friendship lies, where business lies. Um, these are all the best lessons you can learn in life, especially in business, just, as in, just in general as a human in communications, relations, setting expectations, um, and, and, and communications. And it sucks sometimes dealing with shitty roommates. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh, but once again, you if you are the landlord, you're going to come out with benefit, knowledge, and not to mention financially. I think that's great. I think it's it's super important. I know when I bought my first piece of real estate, it was actually with my best friend. And we knew that, hey, we couldn't qualify solo. Let's do this together. We're both renting apartments. Why don't we just jump in together? We'll buy a house together. And, and that's that. And... And, and I, would, I would encourage people to do that. I think it's really good, especially if you're younger. Now, the, the other good side of this is, is even if you're like, well, I don't want to tie myself down with real estate and be stuck with this house, you don't have to. Live in it for a year, then rent the whole thing out. Now you got to, you know what I mean? You, pr you could have cash flow happening that quickly, even with little down. And, and then go live in an apartment, travel the world, go whatever, and you've got this, this great investment. Now, if you're a little bit older and you're like, let's say you're in your 30s and we'll say between 25 and 35 and you're like, hey, you know what, I've, you know, I know that um, I've got a, I've, I'm, I'm, I've graduated, I've got a good job, got a good income, things are good, I've maybe started a family or I'm about to be starting a family or whatever that's going to be. I think it's super important to start saying, okay, I need something that's going to kind of fit this for this next decade of my life. But I would, I would do it so that you know that it's not just this emotional purchase where I need to have the pool and I want to have all this space and I want to love it as a home. I think you should have those things if you can, but I would balance it more to, hey, I'm going to live in this. I'm going to raise this, my, my family, start a family, do something here. But this house is going to turn into an investment. This isn't my end home. This is just going to be something that's in the portfolio. Um, and you go that route at it. And... That's how my wife and I built everything that we have in our retirement and our portfolio is by doing that exact same thing. Always living well below our means and moving from home to home, always keeping that home, the, the previous home and renting it out. Um, and and it's, it's, it's amazing. There's a few different ways that you can go about this and justifying even your lifestyle. We did it as far as we didn't even, we thought about it as retirement and cash flow later on down the road, but what our, we always did was we always said we had X that we felt comfortable paying for a mortgage for a home, okay? We said, all right, we did feel comfortable that around $1,500 when this all started, that was a good number for our mortgage. Then as we would move up homes, we figured, oh, the extra cash flow that would be coming from this rental well, okay, now we're going to be making 500 on this one. Now, oh, we can go to 2000 on the next one. Oh, we get 1500 from that previous one or 2000 Oh, now we can go up to 3000X, all the way up to whatever you want to go to. So then you get to that point after you have four, five, six, whatever going, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm living in my dream home. And at the end of the day, all my properties are paying for my mortgage. I don't got to worry about life. I don't got to really stress about the ownership of this and I can really allocate my bandwidth in your 40s and 50s to important things like your family, like your health, um, what you really want to do to break through those ceilings when you are in your 40s, which you have no idea if you're listening to this if you're 25 years old. Just trust me. That's, I think, a great route there. I think between 35 and 45, if you already own real estate, 
First off, I would really, really challenge you if you if 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 you if you're thinking of just selling, I would challenge you to 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 build a model with your wife, whoever it is, your partner, yourself, to figure out how you can keep that property that you have, turn it into a rental, and purchase another one. Okay, and and then do the same thing. Be a landlord. Learn that. I think it's great, especially between 35 and 45. Um, our first rental I picked up and, and became a landlord in my early 30s, 31, and it really changed things. I had experience because I was a realtor before, but it was never me actually having to deal with it and know that the risk was mine. And it's, it's big. Your brain expands. Your risk tolerance expands. The, the, the knowledge that you get from this, um, from being a landlord is just, it's huge. It's humbling. Um, and then it all ultimately be just becomes second nature. And then after you have two or three or four and years have passed, it's not a job anymore. It's actually just like, oh, I know exactly what I need to do. You're systematized, and that's why it's called passive income because now you're really allocating very little time, very little stress, very little bandwidth of your brain to this investment, and you're getting all of this monthly income, not to mention the appreciation, tax advantage, and all this other stuff. If, if not, and you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm a first-time home buyer. I'm 35, 45, started my family. I've been really unsure what's going on. I would still think about the long run on this. I would still think about, hey, maybe I should pick this nest next home to have some qualities that it could turn into a rental. Um, because if something with my career really peaks and I now need to figure out how to invest some money, maybe I want to invest that and, and, and have a, a real estate portion, not just 401k and such. Um, so I would really challenge you on that as well. And. And if you are purchasing your first home, already having a family, uh, I think you don't want to really be be too risky and just buy something to kind of keep up with the Joneses or, or you know, I've, you know I mean, I, th I think you should really, really challenge yourself to find out exactly what you really need so you don't become house broke or you make this decision that's purely emotional and you find yourself kind of stuck. It's, it, it's not, it won't be fun. Now, let's talk about people that are 45 plus. This is where I think it's super interesting. And this is what I'm going to end it on. Arizona is very unique. We've we've we're a newer state in the country. We're you know we are a sun state where everyone wants to come and kind of celebrate that last chapter in the sun. And and they knew this early. And this was kind of the, one of the big marketing tactics as far as getting people to move here um, back in the 1950s. And they established. Um, uh, retirement communities where ultimately you needed to be 55 plus to live in the community and 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 these communities are are, are only for that and it, it caught it caught on people were like wow this is great you know um, especially back when they were targeting kind of the the the, the greatest generation we'll say um, the older baby boomers um, they were the ones they were targeting, and they were in their 60s at their time, and they were saying, yeah, this is a great deal. I'm, all, I'm 55, 60, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I can, you know, I'm, I'm getting a good deal. I'm going to be around a lot of other people that are in my same mindset, retirement. I'm not going to deal with young kids next door and blah, 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 all that other stuff that you don't want to deal with in retirement. Well, they did that, and it exploded. And all of a sudden, all these builders started building all these retirement communities all over Greater Metro Phoenix. The West Side, the East Side, Mesa has some. They're, they're, they're all over. And what ended up happening is, is mindset started changing. You know, then you start stepping into the baby boomers um, where 
they had a whole different outlook on this where they're like, we're not, that we don't have the same wants and needs and lifestyles as our parents did. We want to kind of live young. We we're turning 50 and 60 and you know, we don't want to feel like we want to feel like it's, you know, I mean, this 1960s again when we're partying and we want to stay young from that set. So a lot of people kind of avoided them. Um, there was a lot more income too at that point. And, and then also a lot more selection as, of homes that were coming up as the Valley group. So these, these retirement communities almost got this stigma of like, Hey, that's where you're going to go. If you're like over 80, if they call it, if you're blue hair, you know, and, and it, it kind of was, if you were to go there anywhere over this last decade, plus it was a lot of, we'll say very older people, people that were in their late seventies and eighties. And you got that, that feeling of, oh man, I don't really want to, I don't want to submit to that. I don't want to officially announce, all right, this is where I'm going. I'm done. That by that happening, it, it, it kept a lot of vacancies and it also kept prices down. So when you all of a sudden start looking at like what a four bedroom or even a three bedroom, 1800 square foot home in a 55 plus community was selling for right next door, to a, a standard um, age subdivision that anyone could buy in, you were looking at huge price differences, you know, big prices, up to 50%. And people caught on to this in this last, especially since the pandemic. We saw the prices in these areas and a lot of inventory really dry up. And I was even going, oh my God, look how much prices have gone up. Because literally five years ago, you could pick up, you know, a 1,500 square foot, single family, 55 plus home for 80 grand, maybe a hundred grand. And now they're selling for 400 grand. It's crazy. Um, but what's happened since COVID is a lot of people jumped onto that, but a lot of investors did. A lot of investors felt like, Hey, because we're an investor and we're an LLC, we can buy these. We just can't live in them. We can buy them. And a lot of these investors were realizing, hey, we can't really compete on the open market because they're being bought up by everyone and there's no margins. Therefore, a lot of investors jumped into the 55 plus and they've scooped stuff up. Well, a lot of them got caught when this whole shift happened. And then you also have a lot of 55 plus snowbirds. They didn't come out this season. A lot of people pump the brakes because of fear of recession and interest rates and costs and such. Um, so we're seeing a lot more inventory in these 55 plus. Now, my feeling is because of everything we just said here, Phoenix, greater Phoenix is going to explode in a great, over the next decade, we are going to see tremendous growth. I think we're going to be leading the country within the top five places to live. Um, and we are going to see house prices go up tremendously, just like we saw in, in parts of California, Silicon Valley, all these areas that when the rest of the country was stagnant or crashing, these places were thriving and appreciating double digits yearly, year over year for a decade. And that was because of their economy. That was because of emerging technologies. That was because that's where everyone wanted to go and start something. And, and, and therefore, lots of wealth followed that mindset. We're going to do the same thing. 
Now, the interesting thing is these 55 plus are going to start gaining traction because I think a lot of people in the Gen X and even a lot of the people in millennials, which is crazy to say in our 40s, there's, there's communities that let you purchase as low as 45 years old. And there's all these other caveats where you can buy as an LLC and rent out. And I think a lot of people are going to start jumping onto this, especially the baby boomers, the baby boomers that are in their 60s um, that are saying, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to go. I, I, it's all about location at this point. I, I, I don't it's that's where I'll live there. I have no problem. <laughs> and we're going to see these prices go up. And if anything, they could end up becoming really cool hotspots because as I'm noticing, it seems like the older we, that I'm getting, the younger we stay, but the more we do want to stay with our own peers. And I could all of a sudden see these 55 plus communities, not so much catering to the 70 plus people, but more to the 55 to 70 year olds. Um, and being a really, really uh, a place that a lot of people are going to want to hang out. So, if you are listening to this out of state and you are in your 50s and you're wondering what to do or you're here in the state and you're like, hey, I am thinking about downsizing, but I would never want to downsize to 55 plus, I would challenge you on that. And I would really, really think about that. Um, I would also think about that if you're investing and you're like thinking about the future, it might even be worth picking one up as a rental, finding one that's that's friendly um, and does allow long-term rentals. And just knowing that, hey, I'll rent it out from now until when I'm ready to move into it, uh, it, it could be an insane investment. So that's stuff to kind of leave you guys with. I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. This has been awesome. This has been an eye-opener. Um, doing this podcast, kind of facing my fears and staying consistent with it. Um, especially during these times, it's really it's really easy to say, "Hey, I want to I want to do this," when when things are pumping hard, like we saw in 2021 and in in 2022. As far as my industry goes, it's great. Um, it's a little bit more different when you know you're encountering strange markets in different times. It's 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 a lot more challenging, and I can't thank you enough if you have listened to this and you've contributed and commented and gave me feedback, which a lot of people have personally um, and I and I really appreciate that so happy holidays happy new year make sure that you like follow share this podcast with your friends and family and I can't wait to start off 2023 with you and have a kick-ass year bye everyone <laughs>